0: Amen. Thank you much. Would you find in your Bibles the New Testament book of Philippians? We're going to be reading in chapter 1, reading verses 12 through 21. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. Thank you so much to Marceline. This is the very first time she's ever played in public. No, you know I'm kidding. And uh, many times we are blessed to have great talent in our church, all to God's glory. Appreciate Caleb filling in and uh, has many hats that he wears here at our church, and we appreciate him. Filling in today, of course, leading us in worship. What a great time to come, be together in the Lord's house. We're glad that you're here today. Now, if you're a guest here today, hadn't been here in a couple of weeks, though, you might a couple of things different than usual. You may have been greeted by a little head giving a bulletin out of a small hand, and that's good. We're, this is Young Worshipers Club Month, and so some of our children are going to be greeting and helping in our worship. you. Uh, you uh, Certainly, had scripture today, read scripture as well as uh, prayed today. We appreciate them taking a part and being a part of that. I particularly appreciate it when they pray for me, as was done today. Listen, I figure if If my prayers didn't make it all the way, I'm sure that theirs did. But uh, we know that the Lord always is faithful. And we're glad that you're here today. Also, you may have noticed, we have uh, on our altar today, on our steps, we have some cards there. And uh, for the last couple of weeks, we have many of our members at the end of the worship service, and you'll have opportunity. These are Who's Your Three cards with just a little bit of explanation, and that is uh, members who are praying for the lost or unchurched. And we've been encouraging people to put names on cards, you've got those that are in the back of the uh, chairs there that you can participate as well, and uh, one to three names that uh, folks who are lost or unchurched that you just want to come lay on the altar if you'd rather do initials, or if you don't know anybody and you just want to say, I'm praying the Lord will give me somebody to pray for, somebody to invite, somebody to share with, you can certainly do that. So these are down here, and I think it's fairly uh, impressive to the Lord's glory of those who are. Uh, praying for the lost and unchurched, remembering our mission as the body of Christ. And if you've not already participated or have other names that you'd like to bring, you can do that at the end of the service today as we sing our last song today. And so it is part of our sermon series this uh, month also uh, that we're talking about Who's Your Three. We're looking in the New Testament and particularly to where... We know that the gospel was shared and where people responded to the gospel. And uh, so we're in Philippians today, where Paul is a prisoner in Rome, writing to the church of Philippi. And this now is the Word of God from Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading in verse 12. Would you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word today? This now is the Word of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers, in the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word, and you may be seated. <clears throat> Heard the story of a pastor, not me. Uh, in fact, this pastor did what I have only dreamt of doing. He was uh, driving down the road, regular day, following another car as he's driving, and he sees the car in front of him accidentally hit someone who's on a bicycle and knocked them down. And the bicyclist immediately jumped up and he came and he began to beat on the hood of the man who hit him. And he began to yell at him and then came around to the driver's side, opened up the car side and then began to assault the driver who happened to be a 75-year-old man. Now the pastor's sitting behind there and he has to make a decision. Do I sit here and watch or do I do something? Well, he decides to do something. So he gets out of his car, even though he had a child in the back seat, and walks up and begins to try to pull the bicyclist off of the older man, although 75 is not as old as it used to be, you understand. But he tries to pull him off of him, and the man then began to assault the pastor, so much so that he tore his shirt off while he's trying to get back to the 75-year-old driver." And then the pastor has to make another decision. Am I going to hit him? He decides yes. And with one uppercut hit, he knocks the guy out. Well, by this time, traffic has stopped and people are kind of stopping and watching. And when he does knock him out, all the people are applauding or honking their horns. And then when the police come, they begin to talk to all the ones who were watching what had taken place. And by the time they got around to the pastor, the policeman asked him, How many times did you hit the guy? And he says, honestly, just once. And the policeman says, yeah, that's what everyone else said. Now, I want to tell you, and this may not be for all that spiritual reason, but I want to be that kind of pastor. Uh, how many of you would like to be that kind, somebody who'd get out of the car, somebody who'd help somebody who was in need, you'd like to maybe have the courage or feel like you'd have the courage maybe to help somebody who was really being mistreated? Would you, would you like to be able to be that kind of person? Well, why is it that we have a harder time perhaps wanting to be the kind of person that wants to really help somebody who is in need spiritually? May it be that we're able to spot and begin to even see more people who are in need, not just physically, but in need spiritually, need to hear encouragement, need to hear the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that we might have courage to speak up about Jesus and be able to help people who are, have problems or have needs. And may it be today that we might be able to see how the God is at work in our problems and the needs that we have so that we might be able to know Him better and so that we might be able to see open doors and demonstrate faith even in the problems and the struggles and through those that we're facing. The Apostle Paul writes to the church folk here in Philippi. He's sitting in a jail cell in Rome describing how the Lord has taken his problems and used them for good. And because of his imprisonment, the gospel has advanced. We read that there in verse 12. And as he encourages these believers and us to see how we can turn problems into possibilities or problems into opportunities and, as we read a moment ago, in calls for joy. Please notice as we go through this passage, words like courage, boldness, confident, not ashamed, repeated here in these verses as Paul writes to the church members, some of these church members who are so dear to him that he knows personally as he began the church there in Philippi, and that whatever Paul is doing, they can know that whatever Paul is going through has served to advance the kingdom and gives encouragement to all believers. So let's get real here for just a few moments, and See if we look at God's Word and see that whatever we're going through, whatever struggles we may be facing that the Lord wants to use for kingdom purposes and to teach us something about Him and about ourselves and how God's always at work. Could you use a little bit of encouragement this morning? Well, I could. Hopefully we can, from God's Word, find that encouragement. And how to overcome and find purpose in problems that you may be facing today or that you might be facing in the future. One reason Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi is because of their concern for his well-being. They know that he is a prisoner in Rome. It could have been a much longer letter where he could have explained some of the many things and different things that he's going through. uh, What it is uh, is amazing is not necessarily just what Paul says, but it's what he didn't say. After all, if you know the stories found in Acts of all that Paul went through, falsely accused in Jerusalem and taken prisoner, sent to Rome uh, as a prisoner on a prison ship, survived a two week storm, stranded for months on a remote island. His would have made a good episode, probably, of Survivor. He waited for two years for his trial to come up. He remained under house arrest, chained to a Roman guard. 24 hours a day At least for two years We might could expect him to say Listen, let me tell you all I've gone through Oh, it's been terrible Please write your congressman So that I can get out of this country And get back home Please pray for me Listen, do something Get me out of here Well, they did pray for him And he did ask for prayer Not necessarily to be released But that he might be bold But no, he dismisses it all by saying Verse 12, that what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. Do you know that whatever happens to you as a Christian, it's different than what happens to people who are without Christ. God wants to use what happens to you, the good and the bad and the ugly, to advance the gospel, to share the good news of God's love by our words and by our actions. You've got your notes, hopefully followed along there. God wants to use your struggle to share the love of Jesus. God wants to use your struggle to share the love of Jesus so that others might know the difference that Jesus makes or if He really does make a difference. Now, I think we need to be clear today that not everything that happens in our life is God's fault. God's not to be blamed for every bad thing that happens. Some problems we bring on ourselves because of wrong choices, because of the consequences of sin in our life. Some of them just happen because we live in an imperfect in world, because we live in a fallen world today, sometimes we know that things just happen. The Bible tells us that very thing. And some happen because we are serving the Lord. In other words, yeah, sometimes there can be consequences, persecutions, even bad things happen simply because we're serving the Lord. In fact, Paul would later write, We should feel privileged to be able to suffer along or as our Lord Jesus Christ did. But regardless of the adversity that comes our way, he wants to use it as a way for us to demonstrate the love of Jesus overflowing in our life and confident that God loves us. Earlier we had our children read a passage about the one man who was blind that was then able to see. In John chapter 9, it tells about the story of the man who was born blind. and The disciples asked an age-old question, why? Now, they'd already concluded that if the man was born blind, it's because somebody must have done something wrong. So they asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his disciples? They probably already had the follow-up questions, depending on how he answered. Well, if the parents sinned, why is it fair that the child has to suffer? Or if it's the person who sinned that's been born blind, the man, well, when did he sin? Before he was born blind or sometime after? But they could never answer that question. But notice that we're like the disciples. We're concerned often with the fairness of life. We want to know the wise. Jesus was much more concerned with compassion and love of the changing people's lives. We need to be much more like Jesus, especially me, so that we might have more compassion and more love. But listen to Jesus' answer. In John chapter 9 and verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Do you know this particular story? Jesus then spat on the ground, and made a mud pie out of his saliva. Seems kind of strange to us if we tell the truth. And then he anointed his eyes with that mud, told him to go wash his eyes out in the pool of Siloam. When he came back, the man was healed. His neighbors were amazed and they began to ask the questions about who did this and how did this happen. They called the Pharisees in. And the Pharisees began to ask the questions about the things over and over again. They called the parents in and questioned them. They said, well, he's of age. You ask him what happened. Some of the neighbors said, this is the man who was born blind. Others said, no, he just looks like the man that was born blind. And they had questioned the man. They called him in for one final time and asked, how do you explain this? as if they were upset that he had been now that he could see and he said I don't know but this one thing I do know I once was blind but now I see and then the man who had been born blind that could now see he began to preach to the Pharisees he says whoever this man is he must be from God and they cast him out then later Jesus found the man And he said to the man who could now see, he said, Do you believe in the Son of God? The man asked, Well, who is this man? And he said, Jesus said, You've seen him. He who stands talking to you is he. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. God took away his physical problems, but more important, he opened his spiritual eyes and he was dramatically and eternally saved. Regardless of whether Jesus heals or takes away your struggles or not, the work in the hand of God is waiting to be displayed in your life. May we be single-minded and look on our circumstances of God-given opportunities to reveal the Lord Jesus living in our hearts to be able to share the good news of God's love. Paul says, again in verse 12, What has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. Now that word advance means uh, pioneer advancement. To go where no man has ever gone before. Do we have any Trekkies still around? Uh, Listen, it is to go to a place for something to happen new or something that would not have happened had it not happened in this way. Several times Paul had expressed his desire to go to Rome to be able to share the gospel. In fact, the Lord told Paul, don't worry about it. You're going to go to Rome. But I don't think it had in mind to go in on a prison ship. Here was Paul. He wanted to go as a preacher. Instead, he went as a prisoner. But his imprisonment served to advance the gospel. And twice, Paul said he is rejoicing in spite of his problems. Did you read that when we read it just a moment ago? He says, rejoice. He said, yes, I will rejoice even as a prisoner. Philippians has been on one of our hundred days of reading this past week. And we've been reading Philippians chapter 1, just four chapters. So we took four days and read that along with some in 1 Chronicles. But we also read in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You've heard this before, but do you recognize this? It is a command for believers to rejoice. But let's ask for just a moment. Is it really that practical that we can be commanded to rejoice. I mean, my goodness, isn't that just something that we say in church or we read from time to time? Can we always find ourselves rejoicing? Well, in the Lord we find that it is practical and it is possible. May the light click on for us that as we go through our struggles or go through whatever that we're going through, we're able to rejoice because of what Jesus has done for us in the past. And even if we can't see what He's doing right now, we know that He's going to be at work. He's working now, but also let's rejoice because of what God is going to do, not because or complain about what God has not done. But also, God wants to use your difficulties as an encouragement to others. God wants to use your difficulties as an encouragement to others. I wanted to find a, maybe a couple of illustrations, and maybe you could think of some, some in the Bible or otherwise, to where difficult situations turned into something good. Can you, can you think of any? Well, I think in the book of Acts, as it talked about, many, many in Jerusalem were becoming believers. Many Jewish people, as well as others, were becoming believers in Christ, but there began to be a persecution. So much so, it says that all of the believers were run out of Jerusalem except the apostles. But what did that lead to? It led to sharing the gospel and the gospel being spread even further and even more. You might remember John the Apostle, uh, the oldest of the disciples, that uh, he was on the Isle of Patmos. What happened while he was on the Isle of Patmos? Well, it was there that he received a vision from God to where we have the book of Revelation. Maybe outside the Bible, some of you maybe have heard of John Bunyan, 12 years in prison in Bedford, England for preaching the gospel, led to the vision that he had of writing what we now call Pilgrim's Progress, which is one of the most published books in the world outside of the Bible. Corey Ten Boone in her first book during World War 202, and her experience in the Nazi prison camp tells how her suffering benefited others and led many to, that did not know Jesus before, to put their faith in the Lord Jesus just before they were killed, advancing the gospel things that happened that would not have happened otherwise. Some of the great blessings have come due to suffering. Abe Lincoln lived in poverty, no formal education but he was able to empathize as the great commoner. Louis Pasteur, lame in one leg, suffered a stroke but refused to give up, developed a process by which children could be immunized against diseases. Beethoven's deafness did not stop him from hearing great symphonies. Handel fell into a deep depression, and which led him to turning over his life, making great changes in his life in the writing of Handel's Messiah. Susanna Wesley had 19 children. Talk about your heart. I mean, talking about going through lots as well. But two of those children, John and Charles Wesley, were known for their revivals that began in Great Britain and even spread to the Americas. Fanny Crosby became blind at age six. A doctor, not knowing what he was doing, put a poultice on her eyes at the age of six to where she became permanently blind. But she was able to write hundreds, if not thousands, of hymns, actually. Hymns that you know, like Blessed Assurance and To God Be the Glory. Marine Lieutenant Cleve McClary, permanently disabled when an enemy grenade exploded in his foxhole. But he writes, the Lord used my experiences for good by bringing many lives to Jesus. Chuck Colson, we're barking to the ages here now. You know the name of Chuck Colson, famous Watergate conspirator, turned to Christian broadcasting writer. He says... My lowest days as a Christian, and there were some low ones, were the seven months I spent in prison, but they were the sum most rewarding and fulfilling than all the days of glory in the White House. Janelle McMillan, who was the last person rescued from ground zero alive after 9-11, 30-year-old single mother and had been trapped in the rubble for what remained of the Twin Towers for 27 hours, when at last firefighters heard her calling and pulled her out. Through her faith, she boldly asked for the Heavenly Father to rescue her life. She was saying, and I quote, I was praying to God, God, please save my life. Give me a second chance. I promise I'll change my life and do your will. These are just examples of what God can do with the toughest of circumstances. May these bring encouragement to us today. And then here's Paul. He is imprisoned. He's imprisoned by that elite guard... We read in the ESV to where it was, they were called there, they were called the Imperial Guard, but the word actually is Praetorium that is used there in verse 13. These were six to ten thousand elite soldiers of Rome who were chained to Paul six hours at a time, twenty four hours a day for two years. Don't you imagine many of those elite guard heard the good news of the gospel? Now, I cannot read this passage now without thinking of the first time that I was watching that Russell Crowe movie, Gladiators, on television. And as I was watching it, it's that historical fiction of a Roman general becomes a slave. The setting of that historical fiction is around 180 A.D., about 100 years after Paul was in prison. But in one scene, there's Russell Crowe escapes execution. He breaks free from two soldiers and turns to the other soldiers off of the distance, and he yells, praetorium Chills run up and down my spine Because I know that word from Philippians chapter 1 That Paul was imprisoned with the praetorium hundred years before this historical fiction Paul writes that all of the praetorium All of this imperial guard All of the special guard for Caesar They all know that I'm here for the sake of Jesus Christ Then if you look and you see in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 22, it says there at the second to the last verse that's in this book, he says, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Well, do you know who would be included in Caesar's household? Not only the exact family, but all those that would have been employed by Caesar, which would include many of the soldiers which were under guard who've now become believers in the Lord Jesus. God's saying, what's your problem? Not only can we handle it together, but we can use it to share the good news of His love and to bring encouragement. Paul said his own imprisonment and difficulty had caused others to be more bold. There's that word that we're looking for, or to have courage. According to verse 14, they're much more bold to speak the word without fear. In verse 14, the word speak there doesn't mean preaching. Instead, it means everyday conversation. May we be encouraged to use whatever we're going through and even on good days to use our everyday conversation so that we might be able to speak boldly for Christ and we might be able to live boldly before others on Sunday as well as Monday through Saturday. 1 Timothy 1.7, Paul would later write to young Timothy, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Paul wanted others not to be put off by his problems, not to wonder because of what he's going through if God is all good or somehow God's plan messed up or why we got to allow this. Instead, let it be a reason for others also to be able to speak up. You're in places. I mean, you. You're in places. You're in places in this community and around in different parts to where, in homes, particularly places that I will never be. Let us speak for Jesus without fear. Though God may not cause you and I to be in the situations we're in He is seeking to use your struggles, share the good news, your difficulty to bring encouragement And God wants to use your crisis to determine what's really important God wants to use your crisis to determine what's really important Crises help to reveal or for you to be aware of what's already important to you Or maybe what should be important he tells us, Paul tells us what should be most important. He tells us in verse 18. In verse 18, he tells us that it is the fact that Jesus is proclaimed or Christ is proclaimed. Then in verse 20, he tells us again, it is that Christ will be honored, that Jesus will be exalted. Now, to make matters a little bit worse for Paul, perhaps, some of the believers, some of the brethren criticized Paul. Can you imagine... Christians mistreating or criticizing other Christians. Well, my goodness, it wouldn't be the last time, would it? This may have said, gee, God was, they may have said God might have been punishing for sin instead of being in prison for the gospel. They were using Paul's incarceration to promote themselves. And Paul says they were trying to preach the gospel, but they were doing it out of envy, strife, and selfish ambition thank goodness there were others who were preaching the gospel and were proclaiming Christ their motives were goodwill love for the savior paul says that group knows that i'm put here for the defense of the gospel what's important was not retribution or even what they think of paul but the fact only the fact that paul is that only the fact that the gospel is preached and jesus is exalted you see when the road gets tough that's when people show their true colors in what's really important. When you go through problems, and sometimes multiple problems, it's when we begin to feel stressed. We feel like we're squeezed from all sides, but like a tube of toothpaste, you won't really know what's inside until you have been squeezed some. Then the words that we say, the things that we do, are revealed in the heart. Jesus, you might remember on occasion, He was talking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were complaining about the disciples because they were not washing properly their hands before they ate. (laughs) Remember Jesus said, in Matthew chapter 15, He says, it's not what's on the inside that tells about a person, but Matthew 15 and verse 19 says, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and those make a man unclean. If we realize that we have been squeezed, and what should be important is not revealing itself as the most important, then perhaps we know that there needs to be some changes in our life, and those changes begin on the inside. And that's where God wants to do work in your life. He wants us to be at a place where we will be willing to go through any difficulty and still have faith God is at work for our good and to advance the gospel. That's how Paul could tell the good people of Philippi and us, it's okay to rejoice. You see, God just doesn't want you to get through, just get through and get over what it is you're going through. He wants to use our difficulties. So we discover God wants to use your trouble so that you can know more of Jesus. And God wants to use your suffering so you can be more like Jesus. God wants to use your trouble, if you're following along in your notes, so that you can know more of Jesus. He wants to use your suffering so that you may be more like Jesus. Now I'm using these words like trouble and crisis and suffering kind of interchangeably whatever you're going through. We'll, We'll sometimes ask the question, why me God? Are you trying to tell me something? Well, we may never be able to answer all of those answers but these two things are always true. You go through whatever you're going through and God wants to use it so that you might know more of Him and so that you might be more like Him. Here's what you need to know. It doesn't happen automatically. That's why Paul's writing this letter so that they might be able to see how God used his struggles and they can also stand firm in Christ even when suffering. Last verse we read was the verse 21, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. That seems to be his mantra for me, to live as Christ and to die as gain. For Paul, it's a win-win. I'm living here for Jesus, but if this life's for an end, I'm still a winner. And he goes on to say in the following verses, he said, Now, it would be better for me to be with Christ. He said, but it would be more beneficial, more necessary, and better for others if I were to remain. Let this also be our mantra, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. However, if for me to live is for this world or anything else, then to die is loss. It is to leave it all behind. ESPN game day was in Auburn uh, yesterday. Some of you might be aware of that. And uh, not all that unusual, of course, that game day is in Auburn. More for football than basketball probably. But uh, uh, Bruce Pearl was uh, on there, as he would be, I guess, in that. And, and he, he said something that made me think for just a little bit because... First of all, he said how amazing he was that he thought that be able to do what he did. Here he is, and I think I'm uh, quoting here. He says, I'm a Jewish basketball coach able to coach in Auburn, Alabama. How amazing is that. Then he talked about his wife. He said is is a wonderful Christian lady. Wants him to stop cussing and drinking. And he said he stopped cussing. I'm just quoting here. If that's so. he said, I stopped I stopped, uh, cussing and drinking beer for twenty-one days. And listen, no judgment here, just repeating for emphasis. Because I just had the thought. Christians should not necessarily be known by what we do or what we do not do. Because if for me to live is about works, then to die is to be lost. Because it's not about what we do or what we don't do, but it's about a relationship with the living Lord. And if we're going through some difficulty... God may not just be trying to get you to do this or not to do that, but God does want you to draw close to Him and to be more like Him. This is always true. And even in our darkest moments, even when all others turn aside, we need to stand firm on our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and seek Him even more. Do you remember our mission? Well, we've talked about it many times. In fact, kind of drawing a connection to last week. Last week we were in Luke chapter 19. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 19... In verse 10, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We recognize as the body of Christ, it is clear what his mission was. It should be clear also, if we're followers of the Lord Jesus, what our mission is. Speaking of suffering, if you remember Job of the Old Testament, you know that Job was suffering from a lot of problems. His so-called friends told him that he sure needed to repent of whatever sin he was hiding. His wife told him, curse God and die. But Job persevered. In Job chapter 19, in verse 25, he says, "For I know that my redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth." Then in Job chapter 13, in verse 5, says, "Though he slay me, yet I will trust him." As Job trusted in his God, as God. Uh, as Paul is confident in the Savior, may we also be confident that our Lord is at work not just to deliver us from our past or present circumstances, but to fulfill the hope and the promise of His presence in this life and in the life to come. If in this life He wants us to continue, He wants us to know Him better and helping us to be more like Jesus, if nothing else, may our adversities bring us to our knees in prayer searching for the Word of God, not just for answers, but so that we might be able to know more of Jesus. A group of us were uh, kind of stranded late one night in a coffee shop in a city in Europe on a mission trip. We were waiting for a ride back to the village where we were staying, not sure how we were going to get back. College-age students, as the night got later, kept coming in and young People kept coming in, and somehow I guess we stuck out, and they kept walking up to us. They said, are you from America? And they sat down, and they wanted to talk to us. I think they just wanted to hear people speak English. And so we would talk, had several opportunities to be able to share our faith. I remember feeling really old, one, because uh, uh, they were all college students and young adults that were coming in. Secondly, we didn't get our ride till about midnight that night, so I remember feeling really old. But we stuck out. A couple of days later we were at a festival and uh, somebody must have overheard us talking and so somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Uh, uh, are y'all from America? And I said, yeah, we talked there for a few minutes. I finally asked them their names and uh, they asked me my name and I said, I'm Brad Pitt. And they said, no, you're not. (laughs) But wouldn't it be great if everywhere that people would stop and they would ask, are you believers in Jesus? Because they know there's something different about us. Well, I'm convinced that people know there's something different about us because of the love of Jesus in our hearts and because of how we handle problems and even see the problems that are happening around us. And if we will continue to have faith and remain steadfast, it's not faith so much in how you're going to handle it because you and I, we're going to blow it again and again. We're not going to handle everything correctly. But the difference is if we still believe that God still loves us and God still has a plan. Here was Paul. He was a prisoner in chains. Not chained by the Roman government, he begins to say in his letter, but his chains were in Christ. You may feel like you're chained to a problem today, maybe to a job that is uh, too difficult, maybe an unfortunate home life, maybe you're chained to a wayward child or to aging parents or to a health problem, to an addiction or to a past that you think will not let go. Today you can replace those chains so that they might be in Christ. Ask Him to remove the shackles that will keep you from doing what is most important. In the face of any problem, we know that our God's able to bring purpose whereby His will continues to be accomplished. Problems will keep you chained to circumstances until you become chained to Christ, willingly because of what Christ has done for each one of us. If you've not asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins today, if you've not asked Him to take away your sins, then the Bible tells us that we are slaves to sin still today. If you're still pursuing this world instead of pursuing Christ, then the Bible tells us that we are in slavery to the things of this world. But Jesus sets us free so that we might be able to experience that freedom, that joy, and that we might be able to fulfill the purpose that He has for our church and for each one of us today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord today he wants to truly set you free he wants you to become one who wants to follow him willingly giving your heart and life to him by asking Christ to forgive you for sins asking Jesus to come in he, you become a child of the king and you can know that you have Christ in your heart and you can know that you have an eternal home in heaven let's pray together Heavenly Father, we thank you for today and the opportunity that we have to be a part of this worship service. We pray and know, Father, that you're going to continue to be at work. We thank you, Father, for the many that we're praying for, many that are represented here even on your altar. We pray for those, Father, who've laid these cards. and We pray, Father, that we may be steadfast, confident, knowing that we can trust in you for all things. And even when difficulties come, things have not changed, that you still love us, you still have a plan, and you want to use whatever we're going through. Father, we pray today for anyone who may be here that does not know you as their Savior. Lord, may today be the day of salvation. And even through the proclamation of your word, through the praise and prayers, Father, that have been lifted, we pray, Father, that hearts are open ready to receive you. And we thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. Lift up these prayers in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Would you please stand? We're going to be singing our... A song of commitment today, and as we do, we encourage you to follow the Lord's direction in your life. If you need to give your heart and life to Jesus today, I'm going to be standing down at the front. A couple of our ministers are here as well. We'd be glad to talk to you about uh, any matters of faith. If you just have something you'd like for us to pray with you about, we can do that even today. Our altar is open. If you'd like to come and bring a card for the first time or even another card to place on the altar today. We had several did it the first week, a few more last week, and we can continue to do that. We'll have that emphasis this month, but it continues as we continue to pray for those who are lost as well. But uh, you come as we sing together.